What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, welcome to Bread for the People. It's Jim here. Hope you're all having a great day. Last week, I had a conversation with a bread baker from the Hudson Oven named Chase Hornet. Chase introduced me to a, a new flour called Farmer Ground Flour. A new flour to me, that is. And I had the opportunity to bake with it after I spoke with Chase and then got on the phone with the people at Farmer Ground Flour. And I'm happy to say Bread for the People has a new sponsor. Farmer Ground Flour was nice enough to sponsor Bread for the People. And I wanted to tell you a little bit more about them. And here's what I discovered. So it's a team of conscientious millers and farmers that was started in about 2009 by three friends, Greg Russo, Neil Johnson, and Thor Oxner. They're rooted in the Finger Lakes region and they use local organic grains and focus on supporting local communities. They're committed to leading the growth of sustainable grain economy. Farmer Ground has designed their stone ground milling process to retain the integrity of the grain, allowing natural nutrients, fibers, oils, and flavors to speak for themselves. I particularly like baking with a high extraction bread flour. It's an 85% extraction flour that is sifted to remove a large portion of the bran while retaining the wheat germ, resulting in great flavors and nutrition. Go to FarmerGroundFlour.com to learn more. I highly recommend Farmer Ground, and I'd like to thank them for sponsoring Bread for the People. The following episode of Bread for the People is brought to you by Side Hustle Bread, Long Island's handcrafted artisanal bread company. Side Hustle Bread is a family-run virtual bakery that's bringing the neighborhood feel back to Long Island one loaf at a time. Head on over to SideHustleBread.com for more information, upcoming appearances, and merchandise. My name's Jim Serpico, and this... Should I start with my name, or should I start with this is Bread for the People? Do you like it like this? Welcome to Bread... Or do you like it like this? Welcome. Ready? Welcome to Bread for the People. Mind... Is there a script? Welcome to Bread for the People. I'm Jim Serpico. Today we have a very special guest streaming in from, I think, Philadelphia, New York. He is the owner and proprietor and third generation owner, that is, of Patch King of Steaks in Philadelphia. You know them. The inventors of the Philadelphia cheesesteak. Please welcome Frank Oliveri. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Frank, it's such a pleasure to have you on. I was <laughs> excited to get the email. You guys are legendary. I'd love a good Philly cheesesteak. And uh, yeah. you guys, we have to thank for it. Yeah, um, you know, it, was, it all started here in Philadelphia with my... Uh, you want to hear the story? It's a great story. <laughs> I, would, I would love to hear it. Okay, so legend has it, my great-uncle Pat, my grandfather's older brother, had a hot dog stand in the Italian market. So just give people an idea where that is. It's the, the market where Rocky was running and they threw him in the orange in the first movie. Okay. That's the world-famous Italian market in Philadelphia. Yep. And um, got an open-eared hot dog stand over there, and every day he sold hot dogs, he ate hot dogs, and... Got tired of eating hot dogs one day. So he sent my grandfather down to the butcher to get some, you know, 
slicings, trimmings of meat. Right. He cooked it up on his hot dog grill. And a cab driver who ate hot dogs every day saw the sandwich. Oh, it looks really great. Can I have one? He said, well, since you eat hot dogs every day, I only have enough for my brother and I, but I'll give you half of mine. <laughs> the cabbie took a bite of it and said, wow, this is amazing. Stop selling hot dogs and start selling these things. And that was the invention of the Philly steak sandwich in 1930. I love that that was his focus testing. The one guy, uh, he landed on the right guy, it sounds one like. guy. The right guy. I actually bumped into his grandniece a couple of years ago, Diane. Diane Schwartz, her name is. And uh, yeah, we, we conversed back and forth. And she's, she's trying to get them, you know, you know, a little bit of side money from her uncle inventing the steak sandwich with my uncle. I don't know. <laughs> so, what, you bumped into her <laughs> in, in mediation? <laughs> Not, well, no, it was, it was kind of mediation. We were in a famous 4th Street Deli in Philadelphia. And, and one of my, I was with one of my employees and he had a bad steak shirt on. She said, hey, I'm Diane Schwartz. My, grand, my great uncle was the cabbie who ate the first steak sandwich. That's funny. Now, I understand that it started out with provolone cheese, and it wasn't until many years later that I think it was your dad, and correct me if I'm wrong, who, uh, who brought out the whiz. Yeah, so I, I would imagine it was provolone cheese because the, the guy who has been credited with putting the cheese on the sandwich was Joe Lorenzo. And, you know, we're right in the Italian market. We're Italian, and I find it kind of hard to believe that he was going to go down there and try to find a slice of, you know, processed American cheese in the thirties and forties. Right. So I would imagine it was, I would imagine it was provolone cheese. And then, uh, my uncle Pat really, we had other stores running at the same time the family did when they were all together. And he was, well, he kind of frowned upon it over there for other reasons, crazy reasons. And, uh, but we, other stores had provolone and American cheese. Then my father in 1956 found Kraft Cheese Whiz, and he used to hide it on the side of the grill and put it on, on sandwiches for people to came, and they liked it. And that was that became our signature cheese. So, when did it become known as Pat's King of Steaks? What year was that? Oh, she's probably right away. My uncle was like a uh, he was a true showman, so. You know, he was he was bigger than life. People just wanted to hang out with him. And so I guess he, you know, he just dubbed himself the king early on. I, <laughs> I don't know exactly when. Right. It was, it, was, it was probably the day he moved from the hot dog stand into the building, which was like probably three months after he invented the sandwich. Right. So before Instagram, it's safe to say. <laughs> but he had the bug. He had the showmanship bug, which to this day is important, right? Especially yeah. in... In certain foods, you guys are very specific, but people could get sandwiches anywhere else. Besides the taste of a sandwich, I always believe it's a great story. And you guys have a great story. Now, there, it became a big thing in Philadelphia. There are several other cheesesteaks, and it's a, it's a great uh, conversational argument between everybody on who's got, you know, who they are loyal to. And I know... I, and I'm bringing this up because I, I happened to watch one of the videos uh, that you guys sent me. And you say you're friendly with one of these other proprietors. Yeah, well, you know, like I was listening to one of your previous podcasts with Anthony. Yes. When we were talking about the pizzeria guys. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, all the cheesesteak guys in Philadelphia, we're, we're basically all friends. That's awesome. You know, we, we, yeah, I mean, listen, you can't, walk, you can't walk a block in Philadelphia without tripping over a cheesesteak or tripping over two stores that sell cheesesteaks. Right. So we all kind of look out for each other, but you know, there is the, the, 
The original rivalry started between Pats and Geno's, which is directly across the street. Of course. I mean, and that was- everyone knows it, whether you've been there or not. Everyone knows it. Everyone around America yeah. know about everyone it. Everyone knows yeah. it. Everyone knows it. And it's, it's mentioned on, you know, Monday Night Football. It's mentioned <laughs> right. on Tonight Show. You know, and, and you know, for that reason, because we, we've been there for 93 years. And the guy across the street's been there for 50-some years. He's, he was established in 1967. You know, we get dubbed the quote-unquote tourist trap. Oh, it's a tourist trap. People go there. Like, why? Because because your business lasted much longer than any other business. You're a tourist trap. Is that the way it works? I'm I'm so confused by that. Oh uh, well, come on. It comes down to jealousy, and uh, you know, I think it's almost well, as simple as that. And, and people also, it's just same thing as these trolls out there. It's just so easy to say something negative. And then, you know, you probably have other other rivals out there that are competitive and trying to build a name for themselves and whatever. It's, it's, it's meaningless, but you know, sometimes it just gets in my skin where, you know, you, you see the trolls online, you know, like your place is garbage, Geno's is better, Pat sucks, Geno's sucks. It's like, you know, I go to this grocery store in like in Conshohocken. It's not even in Philly, seriously. And people, I mean, people are loyal. People, I mean, Philadelphians are kind of loyal. They're loyal to the sports teams, loyal to the neighborhoods. Yeah. And they're, they're obsessive compulsive over the cheesesteaks. I, I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of biased. There's several that I like, and there's several thousand I don't like. So, you know, I understand that. But, but I mean... <laughs> the other side of the coin is you're being talked about. It means you're being talked about by not only people in Philadelphia, but people around America, and, and then some. How many other food establishments could say that about themselves? And I'm sure... Business is going pretty well, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we're st- I don't. I don't own a red pen. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, so I, you know, we look at it like you know, everybody wants to. You know, if you have a pizzeria down the street, and somebody goes there and they, he's got the you know he's got the greatest pizza in the country. Yeah, he's got he's got his pizza's great. I'm a pizzaiola too. So, but if you make if you're baking your own bread and you're creating a desire for the sandwich and you bake 60 loaves of bread, that's 120 sandwiches that you're splitting up between hoagies and cheesesteaks. And then, you know, by two o'clock in the afternoon, Oh, we, we sold out. Well, yeah, you had 120 loaves of bread. Exactly. You know, we, our, our baker breaks, so it bakes for us 24 hours a day. We sell thousands a day, right? Which we don't run out. I've never run out of bread in 92 years, right? 93. So, well, but you, you've had to, the business that you own has had the benefit of figuring that out and figuring out how to produce for that long. And yeah, it's like on a much smaller scale, the same thing with me. I started doing this professionally three years ago and was doing farmers markets. And then there was a demand for it. And it was, it was sometimes two to three farmers markets a day where we would have people vending for us. And I was at the very beginning doing it out of my garage and I couldn't keep up with that demand. So I did make a deal with another baker who I love and was very, I met him through Instagram and we became the greatest friends and he wanted to help and help us because we had a demand and a brand, you know, it's not always just the taste, even though of course the bread's going to be taste great. Even if I have another baker, right. But you know, he, yeah, but there's something, there's something, there's something about when you're, you, when you're touching I bake bread too. Yeah. And, you know, my mother is probably 22 years old that I use. And 
you know, it's just something different the way you touch the bread. But not my mother. To no, I know. I get it. I, I, I'm <laughs> laughing because there's probably people listening that don't. <laughs> my dad didn't remarry. My real mother's yeah. 84 years old. But, right. um, you know, it's, it's like there's something different about the way you the way you form and shape the bread. And, you know, you're looking at something that's live and you're taking care of it. Right. It's different than when you, when you trust that to someone else. But it's not possible to do on a scale. No. It's just not. And I hope to get there in my, my way. Which coincidentally, as of this week, is sandwiches. <laughs> but uh, you know, it won't be possible to to keep the uh, the production going the same way. And I hope it's not. I hope we achieve scale and have a central location. Yeah. Scale or, or or hire a baker great. To, to bake to our, you know, the, our like the way we like it. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Tell me better about you <laughs> and growing up. Um, and so your dad was deeply involved in this? So my my uncle Pat started the business and he passed away in 19, August, 1970 at 65 or seven years old. But, um, early in the, um, the fifties, he moved out to California and he started buying real estate. He parlayed the money he made in buying real estate. So he Smart. moved out to California. Was, yeah. He, yeah. He, he did really well with that. And he bought tracks of land in Beverly Hills. He was friends with Fred McMurray, Gene Autry, Bing Crosby, all those guys that were buying tracts of land. And when he needed money, he would sell them off. He opened up a Pat's in LA in the Fairfax section, and it just didn't do well. But in the meantime, we had the family. We, I was born in 64, um, had several stores in Philadelphia. So his son, Herb, took over the, the other stores, and my grandfather and dad bought the original business from him. Okay. And, you know, I... Basically grew up in the business, 11 years old. I, I wasn't allowed inside. So I would wipe the counters with my, I'd walk around with a metal milk crate when they were actually metal and I would wipe the counters off. And then I just grew up in the business going, going to work on the weekends. But I always had a desire to become a, a classically trained French chef. So I turned down CIA as a, as a junior in high school. And I, went to, I was accepted to Le Cordon Bleu in France. Which consequently, I'm leaving at nine o'clock tomorrow night to go to France. So oh, wow. I'll take some bread back for you. Okay, I would love that. <laughs> and uh, I love the bread there. And um, so I said to my father, listen, I'm going to stay till September. Then I'm going to Paris for five years. And he's like, okay, you know, we'll see what happens. And we had a manager who left the store and I stayed on till September. And then I just, you know, you know what happens. You start making money, buying cars, you go in nightclubbing, buying <laughs> clothes. So I put my culinary career on hold and. And I took some private classes with uh, Georges Perrier in Philly from the Beck Fen and other classes. I would come up to New York and take day classes at the French Culinary Institute and stuff like that. And then I finally, at, at 47 years old, I went to the restaurant school at Walnut Hill College in here in Philadelphia and got my full bachelor's degree. So I'm classically trained in right? that respect. Now, yeah. do, you, do you have an itch to, to broaden out from, I mean, I don't know how to call it your day job. I, <laughs> Uh, you have a giant successful business that's been in the family for a long time, but I do wonder yeah. about the psychology here. Think yeah. So uh, right before 9-11, the week before 9-11, we were pen to paper to signing off on expanding throughout the country. Mm. And at that time we had just got the entire name back from all the family members who had it. It was outstanding with, and I said to my father, I just don't feel comfortable with this. So 9-11 happened and we were supposed to go into all the airports in the country. We had a guy who wanted like 137 stores in California. We had another guy who wanted to secure Europe. And I said, 
just doesn't feel right. And 9-11 happened. And I'm like, oh, my God, maybe this was a sign. So um, kind of put that on hold. But now I'm the sole owner of the business. And I always had the itch to do something. And it's just like, you know, my accountant says, you know, do you really want to go back to work? And I'm like, I, I, I love it. I love the action of it. I love so you, being there. I love the interaction of it. So you and so, I are about the same age. And uh, I'm 59. Yeah, I'm 55. Yeah, but and when I, I had a much, my paper route was much harder than yours. <laughs> you look much better than I do. Uphill both <laughs> ways. I know how it is in Philly. <laughs> um, I and listen, I'm doing this food truck thing, and it's going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. I talk about it all the time in terms of like the prep and the this and the that and catering. It's not just being on the food truck and the hours you put in there, but I'm the same way. Like I want to work, you know, there's so much, so many aspects of this thing I find fascinating from the baking and the science to the baking to seeing people enjoy it. Hopefully they will. So far they've enjoyed what I've baked and planting the seed of a company and a brand and seeing it catch on is exciting. Like all that stuff. What am I going to do? All of a sudden a guy who works 12, 14 hours a day is going to do what with my life? <laughs> yeah. So, Hey, listen, if you need somebody to c- come up and guest chef with you, I'll, I'll hang out on the food truck with you. I do talk I know a little about, bit about that. Sandwiches. I do talk about that. I would love that. Are you kidding? Do you guys yeah. do catering? We used to do catering for some events. Actually, we are going back to Canada on um, July 4th week. I'm not going this year. I'm sending my guys. I did it last year. For David Cohen, who is the ambassador from the United States to Canada, to make cheesesteaks at his 4th of July party. So we, we do events like that. That's, that's kind of fun. We used to do smaller events for University of Pennsylvania, sometimes backyard events. We don't have a food truck at this point. That's like a whole another endeavor that I'm, I'm kind of like leery about getting involved in because that's just a whole other aspect that I need to worry about. You know, if it's, if it's managed properly, if they're driving there and, you know, getting the product there, making sure it's right. You know, I can't be in all these places at once, but yeah, we do some catering. <laughs> Not right. a lot. I know that a lot of the purveyors are selling frozen uh, cheese steak meat. That supposedly is great. I haven't tried it, but they, they were trying to sell it to me, but it's just not my plane. What uh-huh. I do, but who knows? It's, there's probably so many ways these days to expand. It doesn't have to be brick and mortar. Even right. though. What do you, what do you think about the brick and mortar these days? Uh, well, um, I have, I'm negotiating something huge right now. And um, we're, we're, we're just working out the details of it where I'm going to, you know, license, license the name and be part of it. And uh, it's, it's, it, it's, you know, it's going to look, it's looking like it's going to be pretty big. And with that, we may do other, other locations, you know, pick, pick and choose where we want to go. And, you know, it's, it's more like um, if I can have some, if I can have some control over it, if I could, Control over it in the respect that you're buying all the product through me. This way I can assure that when, you know, when the person's eating the sandwich, it's exactly the same as it is at the 9th of Wharton Street in Philadelphia. Right. And that's, that's, one, that's my stipulation. If, if you're going to do it, you have to buy through me. This way I not only can control the product once, it, you know, once the people eat it, and I can control the inventory, and I know exactly how much you know, I'm supposed to be getting on my end. 
I would want that too. I mean, that's why my, my dream and vision for what I'm doing is to be able to have a, a central production facility where the trucks would dispatch from and they, they loaded up from the yeah. bread that was baked at this one place. I think there's a way to do it. There's com- companies out there that do it. There's, uh, Cousins Lobsters, right? They franchise yeah. the truck. They do well. So who knows? I had a guy I was talking to last year from, he wanted to have a food truck on, on the Hamptons and he wanted me to like send a product up and he, would, he wanted me to license him and do it. I'm like, but I, I, I don't know what you're doing. If you're going to tell me you're selling 500 steaks a week and then all of a sudden you sell 10,000 because you're bringing your own product in, then th- where's my end? You know, that's, that's the hard part. I can't be in all these places at once. Yeah. But at the same time, who knows? I mean, I mean, you got to legally, obviously we got to cover our asses. Mm-hmm. That guy would be crazy. I'm sure it could happen. I mean, you hear these stories, especially in this business all the time, but that would be nutty for him to do it. And he would not get away with it for that long. No, there's just there has to be somebody up there that knows me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, pretty nuts. Um, so, 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 you're excited about your your endeavor? I mean, that's oh my god, huge. yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's is it huge? It's not huge to me. It is, and to my family, it is. Like they're, no, they're, it's, no, it's it's huge. They they're actually um, so I have three sons uh, and my wife. Okay, and we're all very hands on deck here, and. It's that's exciting to see them excited about it. My wife does work full time, but when she, as soon as she gets home from doing her school psychology thing, she's, she's running the number. She's on us for cost of goods. And, uh, if we don't have it right, she's questioning the shit out of us, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, because I didn't really do that at the very beginning. And I was winging my prices to what I thought, they should be. And, and sometimes I felt bad charging what I was charging. Sometimes I would change the prices depending on who was standing opposite me. Yeah. That, it, it is, I mean, that's, you know, that's why you see a lot of people, a lot of people who go into the restaurant industry who don't have that business background or that financial, the ability to, to, to reason and say, well, if I'm, you know, if I'm paying, if my product cost is, you know, $3, whatever. And, yeah. You know, okay, I can sell this for four fifty, but then you have to, you know, take into consideration gas, electric, insurance, water, all the other fun stuff that goes along with it. Employees, oh, it's so much. Employees packaging. And, you know, we have to pay a, a site fee all the time. You know, our site fees yep. range from seventy five dollars to two thousand a day. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. I was just talking to someone in Philadelphia here, was like one of the Made in America things, and they said that the the food trucks actually, the, the the people who run the event, they have their registers on the truck, and they take thirty percent off the top. I won't do those events. That's crazy. To I me. won't do them. They have those events here. I won't do them. No way. Yeah, that's that's when I when I heard thirty percent off the top, I'm like, no, I'll park on the other side of the street. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's similar to going into one of the stadiums, and that's why you're paying so much for food in the stadium because that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. I turned, I turned down citizen bank park twice for that reason, because you know, there, you know, you have Aramark, there's nothing wrong with Aramark. It's a great company, but you know, I, I can put a manager in there, but the manager basically just stands there. He can't tell anybody what to do. He can't stop the people from 
before it was a cashless thing from put, just putting the money in their pocket. Not saying they do it, but if it happens, it happens. I mean, I've heard horror stories about it. And yeah. so you really can't control the product. But then when someone goes to the stadium and they buy a cheesesteak, and it's like $18 for a cheesesteak, they put a bad taste in their mouth. Oh, Pat's is making all this money, but it's really not Pat's making right. the money. It's, right. it's Aramark. Exactly. Crazy. So let's talk pizza. You say you're pizzaiola. Do you do it at home? I do do it at home. Actually, I went to uh, Tony Giamani. I went to his school out in California. Really? Yeah. I, I always, always love pizzas. It's a sickness, you know. It's a sickness. Yeah, yeah. So um, I followed him for many, many years. And I bought it. My first oven was a Forno Bravo, mm-hmm. a little one. And I decided I wanted to go to pizza school. So I literally flew out. And I took the, took the class and I worked in the pizzeria for a week. And it was, it was amazing. And one of the greatest parts about it was, you know, you know he, says, uh, he made a pizza. And then he says, all right, everybody, you know, make a pizza. So I made a pizza. And I said, he goes, wow, it looks just like mine. I said, well, I've been following you for years. So, I'm, you know, I, I'm mimicking everything you do here. But I love it. Like, I, I, we, uh, our summer home is on Long Beach Island, New Jersey. And we just built this amazing kitchen outside. And I have a... Um, a 43-inch Mario For- Forno oven there, all wood. Wow. And I just had a pizza party this weekend. We're just getting it all together. I have a, an Argentinian grill. Everything's all wood. All wood. Argentinian grill, egg, and pizza oven. Wow. So I cook on live fire. And, you know, when I make dough, I use you know, caputo. I do a 36-hour rise. You know, I use... Which caputo do you use? The double zero? I use the blue bag. I use the blue bag, yeah. Double okay. zero. That's what I have. I have that right now. I love now. that. It's a I great, get, you know, great one. It's it's great. I mean, I get I get like two fifty five pound bags a summer. <laughs> you know, it's my backyard. I make a piece like when we first bought our place. We I bought you know a dozen uh, just metal pans, and I gave them to all my neighbors. And I said, "Listen, I said when Nancy and I are making pizzas Friday night, come over with your pan. I'll make you a pizza. You go home with your pan, wash it, and come back next Friday. I'll make you another pizza." Jesus, they must love you. <laughs> they love well. Until I built a new, until I built a new kitchen outside, they, everybody loved me. Now everybody's a little angry now because <laughs> it's, it's pretty big. And they see the lights and stuff. What are they? Are they really angry? Well, no, they kind of, I kind of blocked the sun a little bit. It's a little, it's, it, it's, it was supposed to be just like a little lanai with a pizza oven in it, and it turned okay. out to be all right. Twenty six foot long, eighteen foot wide, gigantic fireplace bar. You know. Granite countertops under, you know, it's ridiculous. It's obnoxious. You, you didn't put a pickleball court next to it, did you? No, I didn't put a pickleball <laughs> court, but we did, we did expand our garden. So we grow our own, all our own vegetables in the summer. And as, as we were leaving yesterday, there were like maybe like a dozen and a half squash blossoms out there. Oh, man. That I had to leave going to France tomorrow for a week. So That's so cool. Yeah. Um, what about... I don't know much about your family. Do you have kids? Um, I have kids from a previous marriage. We're kind of estranged from each other. So that's, it. It is, that is what it is. Yeah. So they're 30, 31 and 24 and they, they choose not to have a relationship with me. It's kind of hard, but yeah, that's, that's rough. So it's, so it's just, it's just my wife, my wife, Nancy and I in a business. And uh, so Nancy's involved and, in it. Yeah. Nancy does all our PR work and, uh, She's my anchor. She's good. She's real good. So that's amazing. We run I, it together. Yeah. I have the same thing here. Without my wife, I would not be able to run this this food food company. What <laughs> else? So uh 
What are you going to France for? If you don't mind um, me our, asking. Our, no, no. Our niece graduated from, um, from school here in Philadelphia, uh, Germantown Friends, and she got accepted to GW. So as a graduation gift, we're taking her to Paris for a week. Okay. And you, you've been there before, obviously. So do you have a list of, I'm going to go research X bread place or this restaurant? Yeah, we have, we have a bunch of places. My, I, my, my wife didn't share the itinerary with me yet because I told her I would just want to be surprised. That's awesome. So when she plans a trip from start to finish, it's amazing. I couldn't ask for a better travel, wife tra- slash travel agent. Nancy yeah. is the best when it comes to that. But I, I would love to visit Poulon Bakery, though, because I, I did take her master class for bread. Yeah, so did I. It was very yeah. cool. Master class. I actually made a, var- I made a variation of the Poulon, Poulon loaf. I halved it, and I, add, I, I increased the hydration, and I added... Um, Orange zest, macerated cranberries, and walnuts to it. Beautiful. That's, that's my go-to bread. Yeah, that's my go-to one. I love that. That's good stuff. I, I should try doing the, uh, the zest because I do the cranberry walnut. Yeah, the zest, the zest gives that little background flavor to it. That's fantastic. And uh, lastly, the, the Philly food scene in general is pretty hopping, isn't it? Uh, let me tell you something. Philadelphia is no longer the ugly stepchild of New York. When right. it comes to the food scene in Philadelphia, we have, we, have all, we have it all down here. We have tons of James Beard Award winners. We have, you know, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday just got voted the most innovative restaurant in the country. Kalia, which is this um, amazing Thai restaurant in Fishtown, is amazing. We have um, Joe Badia with Badia Pizza. Mm-hmm. Have you been there in Philly? No, man. In fact, for the last oh, couple man. of years, I've been saying to my wife, we have to carve out like three or four days and go and do all these things because I've been reading about it and I follow it and it sounds just pretty incredible. Yeah. So it's, close. It's, his pizza is amazing. His pizza is truly, truly amazing. And we have, and of course we have Mark Vetri who just opened up a place called Pizzeria Salve in the new Comcast building. His pizza is amazing and his, all his restaurants are amazing. Um, yeah. We have, of course we have Michael Solomonoff who has restaurants in, in, um, in New York now. He has, Goldie, he has a laser wolf up there. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we have everything down here. The food's great down here. I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to leave the city without gaining weight. <laughs> well, we're going to make the trip and uh, I'll call upon you and I'll, I'll head over to your place and uh, we'll have fun. Absolutely. It sounds great. All right, Frank, it's so good to talk to you. We'll talk soon. All right. All right. Be well. This episode of Bread for the People was brought to you by Side Hustle Bread, Long Island's handcrafted artisanal bread company. Side Hustle Bread is a family-run business that's bringing the neighborhood feel back to Long Island one loaf at a time. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and rate and review this episode. Reviewing and rating is the most effective way to help us grow our audience. This episode was produced by Milestone TV and Film. I'm your host, Jim Serpico. Blessed be the bread, everyone.